What's up, everybody? You're listening to No Coast Cinema here on WGM+. Plus. We are your guide to cinema here in the city of Chicago. I'm Tom Hush. And I'm Connor Cornelius. And we're excited to be back with you after a little bit of a hiatus from last week. I was traveling abroad. Yeah, how was Scotland, Tom? Uh, it was very nice. Very pastoral. Very pastoral. Yeah, I oh, felt man. like, um, you know, William Wordsworth running amongst the sheep. I saw that you were visiting some uh, famous uh, some famous authors' homes. I did. Sir Walter Scott. I'm a, I'm a big fan. Yeah, yeah. Ivanhoe. Uh, Waverly I Personally I'm a big fan But only because of The Monty Python sketch (laughs) Of course Yeah Naturally Yeah It's not like I've read read anything I mean this is the man Who coined the term Blood is thicker than water So he's only integral To the English language As a As a result Exactly And uh the only way that it's it's just natural for me. The only way that I've consumed his material is <laughs> through, through a, a comedy troupe. Yeah. Naturally, but uh, I didn't. I, no, not a lot of cinemas out there. Really? I found. Yeah. Did you try to go any. to a movie? I didn't try to, but I was curious because I kind of wanted to get some photos or something of local cinemas. Right. And I was uh, I found out that local cinemas are kind of few and far between. It's mostly just the big ones. They, you know, they're versions of AMC or things like that. Right, right. But that's okay. I'm back in the city of cinema itself, Chicago. And we are here with a with a fantastic guest. Absolutely. Elias Rodriguez. Yes. He is an autodidactic writer, director, and editor from Chicago. In 2008, after his metal band broke up, and he <laughs> dropped out of Columbia College of Chicago, the same one that Kanye West dropped out of. Shout out. Elias co-created the comedy group wood sugars and over the next five years produced and directed hundreds of films web series podcasts and live comedy shows and we're going to be talking to him a little bit about his more recent work and just uh filmmaking in general so elias thank you so much for joining us thank you fellas this is uh great to be here yeah, absolutely yeah. it's funny when i sent you that bio i was like oh, i should probably update this <laughs> well they're not going to read it up well i mean that's what we're here for <laughs> yeah we're here we're here for you and we're here to talk about you know your journey as a filmmaker especially yeah. here in chicago so you're from chicago originally yes born uh and raised and then i went to high school in the suburbs but then i came back to the city um but yeah uh, Rogers Park area. There you go. Yeah. Hey. And so you were raised in the city. What was the first thing? What was like the big moment in your in your early life that led you into at least either into loving films or that got you interested in in wanting to make films? Yeah, that's interesting because I I wasn't the uh, typical because I was kind of music first when I was growing up, and so I didn't necessarily even think that uh, I would find filmmaking um, or that it was uh, that I would find that I'm I can do it. Um, mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, it's interesting because I think, but I did just grow up watching a, a ton of comedies and and uh, just really enjoying, um, you know, the, the one thing that comes to mind is Adventures in Babysitting. Uh, oh my gosh. Uh, which yes. is set in Chicago, but I think it's shot in Toronto. Mm-hmm. Um, but <laughs> that's just the kind of like entertainment based thing as a kid that I was just kind of, kind of like, wow, uh, this is like more of this over and over again. It's funny when you're a kid, you watch movies over and over, but then, yeah. when you're adult, I mean, I don't. Really go back. Not, I mean, not a big rewatcher, eh? Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, I think that's, uh, it kind of depends on what, how you want to um, engage with movies. I mean, there's certain, I think I'm kind of split. I like to, there's some that I'll watch over and over again just because of only, like you said, that kind of childlike obsession with something. I mean, yeah. Um, I know, I can't, 
count how many times I've watched things like Pulp Fiction or No Country for Old Men just because I I had that kind of obsession with it. But then there's others I'll watch once and I'll be like, wow, I I really enjoyed that experience and then kind of move on to the next thing. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm sort of hard pressed to think of a movie that was released in the last five years that I'll watch like religiously, whereas movies that were released like 20 years ago, I'll I'll continue to rewatch those. Yeah, but I guess there are a couple nowadays that I do rewatch, which are like, you know, I'm a comedy filmmaker, but I love um, modern day sci-fi like uh, Ex Machina and um, yeah. Under the Skin, those two movies specifically, yeah. I just can't get enough. You're on the board of the Middle Coast Film Festival yes. that was in Bloomington, Indiana for five years. Now it's moving to Chicago at the Davis Theater coming up this September on the 22nd. Yes. And uh, I mean, they have partnerships with A24, Airbnb, and LaCroix. Yeah. So it's basically millennial filmmaking <laughs> like the festival. Uh, and as you say here, it's going to be a hell of a party. Yes. Um, you know what? I was an alumni of them. Uh, I think three years ago was my first fest. Uh, like I saw them on Film Freeway, uh, which in the photos that they had there immediately, I saw it and they have awesome graphic design just to like represent the festival. Um, and I immediately thought it was in Brooklyn or somewhere like super hip. And I was like, Bloomington, Indiana. What the heck is wow. this? Oh, well, that place is super <laughs> hip, but. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I actually, because I, since I dropped out of college, as you mentioned earlier, yeah. I don't really know much about like any college towns or whatever. But yeah, sure. then I realized. Uh, so I submitted uh, one short, the Meisner Epiphany, just thinking, I think it was like the very end deadline. I was like, there's no way they're going to accept me. They're way too cool. And then uh, they did. And I went down there. It was a blast. And then the following year, um, I went with my short think twice and you know it was interesting because i actually said this uh to them that you know when you leave uh really good film festivals they make you want to be a better filmmaker sure and so then uh the next year i i made think twice which was um kind of uh, a reaction to the shorts i saw like at different festivals uh the year before and then i won uh, best short film at middle coast which was uh amazing that you know I was able to kind of progress with them. And then uh, I was also there last year. And yeah, so then they, um, Jess Lewandowski. So it was in Bloomington, it was ran by four women. Uh, and yeah, like I said, super hip, super like, um, you, they, you know, empower female filmmakers. They are very social. And also, yeah, they have a sponsorship with LaCroix, which is really cool. You go there, <laughs> yeah. just drink uh, all the LaCroix you want. You get a little bubbly, though. You got to, you know. Yeah. And get Watch your pomp. Yeah, get well, your that's pomp. Well, that's important that uh, the beverages that a film that a film uh, festival puts out is very important to me. I, oh, I want to yeah. make sure that I'm drinking the right stuff. I want to be on brand. Exactly. Here. I really want to <laughs> yeah. be on brand. Exactly. You definitely learn something from from the first fest- festival submission to this Think Twice movie because I mean, obviously, Think Twice has been nominated for twelve awards, uh, fifty festival selections. And you've gone to you've gone to actually thirty of the festivals. Yeah. So where <laughs> where were you traveling for that? Well, uh, yeah, I got a shout out to Airbnb because actually I was <laughs> at the time when I was living at an apartment, I was Airbnb out that place while I was traveling. So I was able to I was very fortunate uh, uh, to go to a lot of those and um, yeah, all over. You know, and it's funny because there's small town festivals uh, that. Even some of my friends would be like, man, you're traveling a lot. Maybe you don't need to go to all of them or the small town ones. But I actually enjoyed some of the small town festivals way more than some of the L.A. festivals I went to. And I think just the mindset is more standoffish. But anyway, small town festivals, um, 
Milledgeville is a good one. Uh, the uh, Granada Afterglow in uh, Mississippi. It's it's really cool how they like come support and and the communities rallying around it. Um, uh, yeah, and then I went to uh, a bunch of other ones. I'm like blanking now, of course. Yeah. Well, when well, you, you went to thirty, f- yeah, yeah, of fifty. That's yeah. that's hard to remember. That's um, I don't think even Spielberg would do that. No, no. <laughs> well. He- He'd, he'd be too busy making Ready Player One, I guess. <laughs> but yeah, I, I guess I should even mention, yeah, so that was, so I, when I was with Wood Sugars, the comedy group, we were doing a bunch of short films. It was uh, with my brother and uh, another guy, Jeff Phillips, who's an author. And so I would always shoot as a one-man crew. And basically, um, I, uh, we, when the comedy group dispersed you know i was ready to do my own solo stuff i did a couple solo short films still as a one-man crew because i had no network in the city um and so then think twice was the first uh comedy short uh, i wanted to do it was the first one i fully wrote because i actually uh adapted or like co-wrote everything else i did before then that was like seven years of filmmaking and then i finally got a big crew from uh, mostly from this collective that i started at the time in chicago the crosstown collective now defunct but it was still an awesome time and uh yeah so i was like let me just do a quick comedy sketch uh you know it's it's definitely taking tropes if you could go um on uh my youtube and uh, eliza rodriguez youtube.com slash eliza rodriguez you can see in the show notes i assume <laughs> I'm good, I'm <laughs> yeah don't worry that we'll, we'll link to that <laughs> uh yeah you could you could watch it right now and um you know i definitely played with tropes of like uh, the twins in like a sci-fi kind of movie. I know there was like a Star Trek episode and some other episodes. Yeah, the whole uh, shoot yeah. him, not me. Right, right. Exactly. I'm the real one. You're on the yeah. roof. And then, uh, you know, but at the same time, I, <laughs> you know, I never wanted to early on do relationship pieces because I didn't really, I didn't really even have experiences. I had like a long-term girlfriend at the time, uh, three years. So that was finally like where I was like ready to like, oh, let me do my own take on this. But then again, another trope of like, oh, men are just goofballs or whatever uh and uh yeah so then i merged the two just again just trying to make it as the first thing i ever wrote and the uh fully myself and the first time i had a big crew um and so it's is that same year i released another short uh t-man steep which i thought that that one was that one was my baby it was like my wes anderson ode and there was multiple characters Mm -hmm. and i really i thought that that one was going to do super well in festivals but then it got rejected from like 20 in a row yeah and so when think twice started taking off i was like oh my god i have to go to everyone (laughs) i like it i'll never know like you never know when it'll end or whatever so i was just really eating it all up even though it's like it's sure it's like a quick comedy sketch it's not Mm -hmm. necessarily like um a a bigger story like t-man was i was still very proud of what i was able to do right and let's jump into think twice here uh the first thing i definitely noticed um about it is that it has almost this and maybe it's part of the subversion of tropes or engaging with certain tropes it looks like hollywood like Mm. i watch i was watching it and i felt like this is going you know, it has a very clever visual style in terms of mimicking something in order to subvert it. It looked right. like something. I for some reason, Point Break came to mind. <laughs> you know, with a gun in the awesome, hand and yeah. just like pointing. And uh, so, is is that the benefit of having that bigger crew that to achieve that sort of look? For sure, definitely. Like, just check the credits if anybody wants to work with any of them. They're all really awesome people, and uh, they all came together and, and brought their talents. And I think it's. Uh, 
you know, in general, I said, you know, I'm inspired by like modern day sci-fi. I just really love to pay respects to whatever genre I'm going to do. Like just kick ass with making it look like that. So then hopefully uh, the audience is on board when I turn it on them, you know, and then I just make it like, oh, surprise. It's not about that at all. It's right. my own thing. And hopefully, uh, you know, comedy is like about releasing tension. So, you know, hopefully I built it up enough to then release it and have everybody buddy on my side but also huge shout out to javi fernandez and tamra chambers uh javi was an improviser he's the plays both the twins and just by him alone i mean it took it to the next level of his reactions to his Mm -hmm. his, uh, other twin or whatever I i when i was uh because it was like the first short script I wrote myself, I would share it with friends and I would also send a link to another video I did with Javi um, just so that they know it would be funnier. I'm like, trust me, this is going to be funnier yeah. when it's made because he's so, yeah, hilarious. Yeah, it's one of those things when you're making comedy, you know, on the script, people can read jokes mm-hmm. and you're just like, oh yeah, that's that's funny. No, nah, that'll probably be funny, but it doesn't really happen until you see it or you like you have it performed. And that's what I really like about it is that uh with it's if you read it on the page i was thinking about the dialogue and the way people were reacting it seemed like yeah this is this will probably be humorous and then you see it happen you're like oh wow this is really made by those reactions and um right javi really i he made some of those lines so funny it's rare that uh i get a chance to actually laugh out loud usually it's just you know releasing air through your nostrils (laughs) yeah i I gave it a good chuckle (laughs) my girlfriend from the other room was like what are you laughing at i'm just like oh you gotta see this it's really funny oh that's elias i kind of wanted to i had a question about uh how you write comedy because i know that a lot of people uh historically they write with partners or they how how do you write comedy and how are you sure that the uh that the stuff that's in your script that you write how do you make sure that it's going to make people laugh yeah that's a good point again I, I early on was collaborating and i didn't think i would ever try to take on writing fully myself and um i i think it's just with any sort of thing you're developing any art really that just uh you know do a couple drafts share it with people get their opinions and you know take the ones that you think i mean it's kind of like a boring straightforward <laughs> answer sure. for it's not like i don't have the comedy golden ticket or whatever <laughs> no. but uh please well i think that's interesting too because once you watch so many comedies after a while you are and like you're trying to make them you are a little bit more analytical and so you don't necessarily uh it's not like um yeah it's tough to to let loose and and understand but i guess like like what i said i I guess i try to build enough tension and and really kind of flip the script uh Mm -hmm. when you're going one direction and um or get people on board with the characters so much you know get them warmed up to i also like to like kind of aim for a certain likability in certain characters um so i guess that's more of a goal so then once once the story and the characters are you know uh, thoroughly developed then yeah that oh that's that's what it is because actually <laughs> i'm co-writing a, a tv script uh with armando hernandez and my brother donnie rodriguez he uh armando brought me on first and he's like you know you did think twice uh you know i know you could do comedies i have this uh tv pilot about uh, craft beer brewers in chicago and i want to make it you know funnier and stuff and i told him like oh well let's just focus on the story and the characters the in- 
just as much as we can and then the jokes will come naturally because especially with this script there's ins- there's friends so there's inside jokes right right so those come naturally with their personality types so i guess that's that's a way to go about it is that what you like as a comedy filmmaker i mean you've watched a lot of comedies you've made the comedies as well is there a particular type of comedy or certain comedy beats that you like to see not only in your own work but in other comedic works um i you know, I actually uh, enjoy a lot of. I think things that do make me laugh out loud now are the physical comedy bits, a little especially bit more when slapstick. They, yeah, yeah well, well, but when they come out of nowhere again, like when you're warmed up, um, yeah, those are, and especially like in Think Twice, Javi, like just physically the way that he was kind of when he was on the ground at the very end spoiler but uh yeah when he got shot like just the way he was reacting to you know the scenario was just emoting so much from from his whole body and and yeah so that's actually because i'm I'm thinking about writing you know more drama-based stuff uh coming up but i still want to hold on to those kinds of physical comedy gags because again once you build the audience's trust and you just throw that kind of curveball i to me that would i would be sitting in a theater and that would actually make me laugh yeah especially like when that moment when javi's on the ground and uh oh my entire life is flashing before my eyes <laughs> i remember the dress you do no i don't remember the goddamn dress <laughs> yeah. like i i just yeah. really enjoy that sort of it, it felt very um yeah slapsticky kind of silly and yeah. you know i like that bringing down the tension a little bit that's what makes the release yeah. especially because i i don't know if you would agree but in comedies recently or at least for the last i don't know 10 to 15 years has been a heavy focus on cringe comedy yeah like things like oh, yeah. say the office like the office heavy right. cringe just really making you as uncomfortable as possible i like a little bit of that return to something more visually just silly um i would even say uh like someone absurdism like yeah almost. edgar Wright, I like i think edgar wright does a version of that with yeah. the way he cuts and where he makes where he puts characters what he makes them do silly art you know audio jokes silly visual jokes that sort of thing are there particular uh comedic filmmakers or writers performers that you really felt influenced by you know what honestly like you just reminded me yes edgar wright definitely the way that he builds these worlds and is very deliberate with them but then yeah he still has these subtle moments and gags throughout and uh yeah when i was first starting filmmaking i was very into wes anderson that was what Mm -hmm. that t-man steve short was uh you know i I just love the visuals of it and the multiple characters and you know life aquatic is is one of my favorite films ever i stand by that some people really don't like it but i'm like no dude it's genius great yeah and i and i love that uh you know he has the action the romance the the comedy and just so many layered characters uh say george playing the uh you know the guitar of the bowie songs and (laughs) and all that stuff and just how everything's so rich throughout um that's something i would want to take another crack at uh pretty soon is another kind of ensemble cast uh Mm -hmm. but trying to figure out how to make the story work within that too because you know he didn't just start off so was yeah. Wes Anderson like the first filmmaker that you watched his movies and you were like, I could do this? Uh, 
maybe the first time I was like, I want to do this. Yeah. Because, yeah. because like, just how elaborate his sets were. Well, I mean, I guess if you watch Bottle Rocket, yeah, that's definitely something. Maybe that's what it was, yeah, because I went backwards and then watched Bottle Rocket after I watched maybe Rushmore, and I was like, ooh, yes, I guess I could do this. I guess, you know, this is what he is like without a budget, you know, and then it got more elaborate to uh, The Life Aquatic. Um, so, so with think twice this was the first film that you did with a big ensemble cast and mm-hmm. a big a full crew yeah your new short that you've made silica yeah is your most personal work but it was also shot as a one-man crew yes so i shot this before think twice actually really? this was supposed to be the first thing i ever wrote but then the lead actor davide grody uh he had to move to paris so he just it, had to yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, well sometimes yeah. you know he's an amazing guy he tried out for the blue man group and apparently they're so intense with their tryouts that he got second place which is awesome but they didn't even accept anybody that year wow so like even the first place they're just like, like yeah you yeah. were the you best won. But you yeah. get nothing. Yeah, so then they <laughs> moved told, to Paris. Yeah, well, they told him to, I think there's an acrobatic school. Yeah, in Paris. And then he got into it, and then he was like, oh man, I have to move. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I haven't written it yet. Crap, mm-hmm. let's, uh, let me get this outline together. Um, and so, yeah, that's, uh, so we improvised it. So it's like more of a conversational drama based thing. Right now it's submitting to festivals, so the audience can't watch it. The trailer's about to drop, though. Mm-hmm. Um, but you guys, yeah, I sent you guys a screener. And it was also, you know, since I taught myself, I wanted to, each film had a kind of a purpose to grow on. Mm -hmm. And that one was, you know, how do I put together a conversational kind of trauma based thing uh, in my own voice and make it humorous. And so since I had so much footage, that was really tough because it took these three years to finally finish and edit it. Mm -hmm. Um, And that one, actually, it was also, it has a tinge of sci-fi to it because I was, this was three years ago when I was bootlegging like season two of Black Mirror when right. it was only in the BBC, you know, at that point. Uh-huh. And uh, and so, yeah, it has to deal with um, technology. Actually, I'd almost want to hear what you guys think it has to do well, with. Well, I definitely uh, felt a little bit of that Black Mirror vibe, especially uh, visually speaking. One of the things I really enjoyed, and and I guess for, for the listeners, uh, the way you put it is really, it's this kind of naturalistic conversation that you're not entirely sure where it's going to go, but once it gets to this, I don't know, con- there, there's a few conflicts going on, and I really like that. There's there's a few different things happening, but essentially it's uh, something that very casually but gravely comments on our thoughts about technology and connection and and being constantly connected and uh i really liked that you were able to find it's a it's a different avenue of comedy from think twice where think twice is more i guess traditionally funny this is funny it's like happy sad in a lot of ways (laughs) there were points where i was like oh man that's so funny i can't believe this is you know (laughs) improvised like that's so well done and then it gets into this like kind of emotional territory where it's like oh wow we're using humor here yeah it's a little bit of a departure yeah we're using humor to cover up some kind of dark stuff that's going on so i felt those black mirror vibes but what i liked about it that made it different from black mirror is that it felt it wasn't in the future it was today it's putting it's taking that kind of uh black mirror perspective and saying like it's already here it's not something that's near (laughs) but like what are our connections to technology now how is it hurting our lives and what can we do about it so that's what i really liked about i i very much enjoyed silica especially just from a visual perspective like the reverse shots from the phone i'm like 
it felt, uh, you know, like, wow, your phone is kind of watching you in a way, yeah. that sort of thing. So um, tell us about the production of that, how getting it all together and making it happen. Yeah, there's, um, uh, you know, I... I was just so used to making one-man crew shorts there. And the other actors, Matthew Stromer and Wanjiku uh, Kaioru, I forget her last name exactly how you pronounce it, but she's amazing. Like, I had worked with those actors before, and I knew that they trusted me at that point. So, And I knew what they were capable of. So when I was, like, setting up lights or whatever, you know, mm-hmm. th- I didn't really necessarily have to answer too many questions, which was great. Um, but, yeah, just... Uh, and I use a GoPro for the cell phone points of views, which you can see in the trailer. And, uh, you know, there's actually a scene that kind of got cut. I, don't, I, don't, I actually don't want to do a spoiler right now. but um, well, We can do a spoiler alert. If you yes. Like. Uh, even just to bring it back to the technology conversation, you know, I, I, it's awesome to hear that, that, that you are focusing more on that. Because to me, it is a very personal thing about, like, family relationships and through the technology mm-hmm. and stuff. And I wasn't sure how, what the audience, like... Where is the balance? Where are they going to latch on to? And, and at the end of the day, it's, it's, uh, the gist of the film is kind of the extremes we go to to separate ourselves from technology. Like, sure. I delete uh, Instagram and Facebook on my phone every day I don't use it. So that wow. I just, then I just re-download it, like, which I know is stupid and ridiculous. But, but, but at least it's gone for a little while. Yeah. yeah. And I like that part of the, of the film. Um, you know, you've got the you got the two main the two main characters, I guess, talking. One is kind of giving this um, this lesson and getting you know what it can mean to get rid of your your grid. You know, getting right. off the grid, as it were. And I like that it's it's funny that he's framed as kind of crazy. Yeah. And um, even you know the other characters are like, oh, is that foot fetish guy? Like he's <laughs> he's he's made up to be this kind of crazy dude. Right. But he's he's maybe the most sane out of anybody when it right, comes to this yeah. situation and what he um his kind of philosophy about it. And it's you know. I'm sh- there's been multiple, you know, film films and things that comment on technology, but this did feel personal. It felt like something that is almost like a parable about, you know, uh, what we can do to help ourselves emotionally and yeah. through technology as well. And it felt like something I could legitimately do as opposed to something like, right. I don't know, the circle where it's like, you got to take down the system, right, man. And right, I'm like, yeah. no, it's little actions like this. Totally. That's about you as a person. And that yeah. theme of how isolating technology can be, it almost the fact that you filmed it the way that you did with such a small crew and you you wrote it all, so it's obviously very personal, but that theme of how isolating technology can be, it almost it almost plays into the the like setup of the production. Right. Yeah. Uh, oh, that's a great part of it. Yeah, exactly, of just how limited it all was. And um, yeah, the... Here I go again. I'm like just so so taken aback from hearing you guys are the first people to actually like screen it and like give me like your opinions on it and your takes on it, which is just uh, yeah amazing to to hear this. Um, so I'm blanking. Yeah. At that. No, don't worry. We can we can be your cinematic stall. What's it? It's like Staller and Waldorf from the Muppets. Yes. yes. Well, I really liked this way it commented on technology. Well, weren't they always really negative though? I feel yeah, like we're, but we're the a opposite. little bit more fair. Yeah, we're the opposite. You yeah, know? you guys are always really positive when I listen to your other episodes. It's like, <laughs> well, we the thing that I I really like about uh, you know talking to people who are from Chicago is that. Time and time again, and I, I think I point this out every time, it's that people are working really hard on the art here. 
you guys yeah. are it's being part of a scene that is positive when there is so much negative negativity attached to these things like yeah. people are complacent about cinema um they're like if it's not if i can't watch it on netflix or in the theater then is it worth watching right. and um I think that the the intelligence that comes with you know something like Think Twice, something like Silica, that uh, really excites me. You know, I get to watch someone that is doing comedy in a way that feels like fun. It feels like the first time or doing Silica and taking a concept that isn't necessarily brand new but doing it in an original way and doing it in your own voice yeah and it feels like hey i'm watching elias rodriguez make a movie here thanks and there's something and you know there's things about it that i'm just like ah that's a personal touch that's different from from other people and you know i actually really appreciate it and that's that's why i was kind of taken aback and i forgot what i was going to say for the moment because i remember when i was going to festivals for think twice in the q a's they were very short and abrupt usually because you know i acknowledge this is a comedy sketch you know and this the actual production went very smoothly so it's sure. not like i could talk about a funny crazy story that happened on set <laughs> um so so i would notice that like there wasn't many deeper things to talk about afterwards but i, I i'm so excited submitting silica to film festivals now because i like i love hearing what your take on it and your you know what you grasp from the technology angle because it's definitely something that you know when i'm lucky enough to go to festivals with it I will be able to talk at length. So, like, this is the kind of mm-hmm. film that I do want to just, yeah, get people's perspectives, see if they have can relate to the emotional side of things or, you know, all that stuff. Yeah, so. there's, I mean, there's a lot of dimensions to it at the end of the day. And um, to to get to know that there's people out there making things of, of this caliber, you know, with, with, I'm sure, fairly limited resources comparatively to everything right. else. When you're, right. we're living in a world of where, uh, you know, the Avengers Infinity War <laughs> purportedly costs like a billion dollars to uh, make. More, yeah. more than the GNP of most small countries. Yeah. Yeah. It's, wow. uh, it's, it's really ridiculous. So yeah, it's, it, it's nice to know that something of legitimate quality truly legitimate quality is being made on this level and uh, as you said earlier the focus on character on character and and story mm-hmm. it's not you know while you do have really cool technical aspects to it yeah. that um give it the cinematic look it's ultimately if you took out the the reverse shots from the point of the phone you still get the the feeling of the of the of the piece. You really still get the ideas that are there. These are just simply cinematic techniques to help yeah. tell that core story that already exists. Yeah. And, and to Tom's point, you can really tell while you're watching your stuff that it's like Tom said. It's like you're watching Elias Rodriguez's like his next film. You know what I mean? Wow. So it's how long did it take you to get to that point where you felt like you could actually put yourself in? into the movies that you were making because that seems like a difficult task yeah definitely um you know it always goes back to that i was co-writing and i didn't think that it was for me like the film like to be the main writer and to do all that stuff i just didn't think i was capable of it but i think once you know and it's yeah you hear different artists say like if you know if there's something out there that you want to watch but it doesn't exist you you should create it and i think Mm -hmm. That uh, again, I would like at that point. I was really in- inspired by Black Mirror, and and I wanted to do my my own humorous version of it. And but yeah, I'm trying to think of my voice. I think it is a is a good like mix of that kind of silliness within a scenario that uh, 
there's a good amount of tension. So, uh, yeah, and I hope to kind of keep developing it, especially with um, since Silica was it took so long, three years to finally finish it. Um, and it's funny because it's technology. So one of the gags, I think it's in the trailer, is uh, that the character says something humorous and he's like, oh, I wonder if that's 140 characters. And now, yeah. of course, uh, Twitter is 280 or whatever it is. Yeah. And I was like, The bastards. It. And that's well, actually... <laughs> it's, it's funny because it still works as a joke because now we can... I would The context I brought to it is that I understood that this was shot... You know, this would have been written and shot like before yeah. that event happened. But now it almost seems like an ironic line, like, yeah. oh, 140 oh, characters. Because yeah, that's point. like, I'll you know, that's, that. that's still in our consciousness as a culture is just like Twitter was 140 characters. And now we're just like, oh, now it was 140 yeah. characters. So the joke, I mean, that's the funny thing about the, the comedy lands. here. It lands. Yeah. It totally still Thanks. lands. And I think even um, one of your, one of the, I noticed that one of the characters had like an iPhone 4. I think yeah. <laughs> and it just like clearly I'm just like oh, the fuck does he still have an iPhone but 4 I will <laughs> say my like co-workers I've been talk- talking to them about them they're like yeah I have a super old iPhone and, yeah. yeah that's that's still kind of a normal thing so I was feeling like ah dang you know technology films I'm sure a lot of other filmmakers struggle with this like they get outdate- outdated pretty yeah. quickly um, but yeah and that's actually why I added based on a true story I mean it is based on a true story mm-hmm. but I added it to the beginning of the, the trailer and the to kind of date it yes, a little bit yes, to know yeah. that it existed at some point and uh, and the theme is still the themes still work yeah and that's the that's the part that really rocks about is that yeah. the theme is going to work regardless unless right. someday we finally cut ourselves off from phones but then i'm sure some sort of other uh technological interference is going to come into our lives the right. first commodified robot yeah <laughs> and i have to give a huge shout out to the composer tony scott green right. who helped uh even just this the noises and the sounds um uh, from the cell phones, uh, also stash from Noise Floor. Uh, the, the amazing people. You know, I, I had zero network when I was creating Silica, but you know, then three years later, I, I have this amazing network of filmmakers in Chicago and friends who helped me craft this story. Um, and yeah, so Tony created the amazing. You know, we we're huge fans of John Bryan, who did the score for like Lady Bird and a bunch mm-hmm. of other like Paul Thomas Anderson films. And so that's that was the the goal there. And um, yeah, he knocked it out of the park and really gave the cell phones voices. Yeah. And it's clearly working as well. I mean, just listen to the uh, listen to where this is going. It's got a private screening at the Cannes Film Festival in the short yeah. film corner set in May. And uh, I mean, yeah. you're still submitting it to more festivals yes. after that. Still looking for the official world premiere. But yeah, I went to Cannes last year with Things Twice, which was insane. Um, and they have an awesome short film corner, which is a film market since in Europe they actually buy short films and there's different channels that they uh, you know, so they offer you meet the people who buy the films and you you get offers. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I'm signed up there. I'm going to go again this year, which is just incredible. Um, you know, the short film corner kind of gets a bad rap because some people frame it as like, oh, I'm in the official film festival and I'm like going up for the Palm Dior or whatever. Yeah. But it's not. But it is still part of the festival and you still get a really awesome pass to the festival. Uh, mm. You get to go on the red carpet screenings and all that stuff. Um, so yeah, it's a, it's really great. And since, uh, it's Silica is a little bit indirectly a comedy and it's more drama based, I might take offers to sell it for Europe, European distribution. Um, if they're into that kind of thing, because, yeah. uh, yeah. So think twice last year, I didn't want to sell it. He's like, Oh, this could go on YouTube and you know, who knows right. like worldwide what, 
how successful it could be on its own. But I would highly recommend to filmmakers, if you can go, that the short film corner for Cannes is so worth it. And uh, speaking of distribution, that sort of thing, I mean, we're in a we're living in a brave new world where you can submit it to so many different sites. You can get you can get things on Netflix, Amazon. Yeah youtube with relative ease depending on where you're going through uh how as a filmmaker how do you feel about these wealth of options you have you could go traditional distribution you could just put it up on youtube as you did with think twice do you have a preference do you have a hope for your particular films yeah i think i learned this recently since i released think twice last month or a month and a half ago um is that you really just constantly need to work harder like you know you think you're done writing you think you're done actually producing it and then develop or editing it and submitting it to festivals but you're never done you always Mm -hmm. have to keep uh you know i i tried to like i did some press releases and all this stuff just to um luckily i was fortunate enough that for think twice tamra chambers has a huge youtube following and um so she helped out shared the hell out of it and her fans like really enjoyed it um but even past that you know it's just the work is never done i so it was it was a struggle but i uh there's that mark duplass uh south by southwest keynote from a couple years ago where he says that the cavalry is not coming you know that you have to make it yourself and you have to just keep working and i've always said like endless effort just um so uh i'm still learning i'm still kind of young especially with shorts um trying to figure out this distribution i think it's awesome that you could jump on amazon and have that there but at the same time then you still have to promote it then you still have to come on podcasts which right. is awesome that you guys do this <laughs> <laughs> and uh yeah you have to let people know it's out there you know you can't just hope that i mean i did hope that it would like just spark and take off on its own uh think twice but um but yeah even if it doesn't then you you know I see so many great filmmakers that I met at these festivals just post their shorts uh, that I love on on Facebook and they share it on Facebook, but then they kind of just let it die out, you know, Mm -hmm. but I know the struggle. I know the emotional feeling of like, why isn't this just, you know, happening? Yeah, happening. Um, But even just the idea of like, you have to get yourself out of your little bubble and and your friends group thinking that they are going to be the ones to help you get out there when really you need to yeah, send press releases. You need to connect with that's, I think, why I reached out to you guys uh, originally. Um, yeah. So, so Elias, you've clearly you're the embodiment of hustling. It seems yeah. like you're constantly working on, on new stuff and making and trying to update your and uh, develop your style. What what is next for you? Um, I have, so I also made a, a brand new short. It's on film, Super 8. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, it was for the straight eight competition. And that one, uh, it, so it takes place right outside of Cannes, uh, which is, uh, you know, it was my first time there last year. I didn't realize that there's smaller theaters around the city that like really hip, uh, film groups rent out and do their own competitions and stuff like that. So I went there last year, and um, you could watch a lot of those shorts online, the straight eight competition on Vimeo. And uh, so, yeah, they premiere the top eight films. The judges are super legit, like the um, the guy who's a cinematographer from uh, the Arrival. Han Solo and, and Arrival, um, Bradford Young, I believe his name is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so... Yeah, uh, so I met those guys last year. I was blown away. Just, uh, you know, standing in line, they're just handing you whiskey. And I'm like, oh, this is going to be a fun thing. I don't know what I'm in for. <laughs> but I was just so inspired sitting there uh, watching all these shorts done in one take. Uh, well, not some of them are one take, but it's all on one roll of Super 8, which is 3 minutes, 20 seconds. And so um, uh, I was 
sitting in a theater like, oh my God, I think I could do something like this and I need to go tell Chicago about all about this. So then, uh, you know, this last January, I, I actually hosted a uh, uh, best of screening of the Straight Eight because I connected uh, with the guys who run Straight Eight. Right. And then there was actually a local filmmaker, Megan Marie Connolly, who was a finalist in their London screening last year, which is amazing, that they connected with me with. And, you know, I feel like the the Chicago film scene is disjointed. I always try to bring people together. And it's funny that she lives down the street from me. And I found out about her from these straight eight people in Europe. Yeah. That, like, she, you know, is totally legit. Uh, so, yeah, we hosted that. And then I just wrapped and, and submitted my official competition short, um, which it's a period piece. <laughs> also a, a puppet piece. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So <laughs> yes. it's marionette puppets. And I wanted to shoot it in live action. So um, I guess I could give you the, the pitch here, which I've been... Uh, developing it so it's it's very much a period piece it's all regal um and it's a uh as you could imagine it's about a new york aristocrat who sets on a journey to go fuck himself so he like he goes cross country to find the perfect place in the world to go fuck himself so when you say fuck yourself <laughs> please elaborate fuck himself. Oh, like yeah, literally actually well it's like the metaphoric uh it's a metaphorical energy. fucking <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, do you have marionette experience? Do you well, have puppetry? No, I'm glad you asked because I connected with uh, this husband and wife team who made this awesome web series in Chicago um, called Little Brass Bird, Roderick and Robin. Uh, so she creates plush dolls and all sorts of other plush uh, art. And he is a filmmaker. So they made this web series that was just blow, blew my mind. I was like, damn, like I was a fan of this five years ago. And um, when I realized I couldn't do mine, live action i didn't have time to do it i was like oh let me reach out to them uh and so then we uh i reached out to them connected and you know it's funny when you you asked earlier connor like how do you test out uh your comedy like if if the jokes are gonna work um roderick is so talented and stoic you know with all this this great art direction and stuff and not once did he like ever laugh at any of these shows (laughs) but like he was so on board and so down like that's it's i guess that's what you want want in a collaborator regardless but it was like it's awesome i guess he's just buying he's he's on board um so uh yeah i teamed up with them and they created the entire world i mean you could see stuff you know go on my instagram uh Elias Rod, E L I A Z R O D plug, and you could see some of the stuff that they created, and I have a couple of behind the scenes teasers for that too. Um, and yeah, they they it's like again, I was such a fan of them before I even collaborated with them, so it was like two two groups of filmmakers who n- knew what they know what they do well coming together. Mm-hmm. So so, <laughs> so you're made, you've made you've made a bunch of comedy shorts. Your newest one, Silica, is a is a conversation based drama. Yeah. Your other newest one is a is a <laughs> period puppet piece. Yes. <laughs> it's, it, it's it's amazing. It's and out of control. Super eight, nonetheless. Yeah. 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 And in you're submitting everything to Khan. I mean, it's it's amazing, man. You've got quite a you've got quite a 2018 coming up. Yeah. Yeah. It's. Yeah. I mean, that's that's huge to be shooting. On, I mean, was it difficult to shoot on that type of film? Well, the pressure of you know just holding down the trigger and it's actually going. That was you know pretty new to me, and I think that was more because you had to get it sequentially in order without cutting. You know. Oh man. Uh, later, I think that was more of a pressure than the idea of of doing 
on film and it's funny because i you know went backwards you know most film students start off with bolexes and making mm-hmm. shorts on super eight um and i actually yeah am now later 10 years into filmmaking i'm now doing super eight shorts um, unbelievable yeah you're doing it in the right order yeah sure yeah <laughs> yeah i think that was a big thing when i was with the comedy group and i didn't have a network uh for until like seven years into filmmaking i was able to get my bad stuff out of the way so like so that's all buried can't really see that stuff um and now it's like all right well now i know how to make legit films uh, at some level and uh now I, I love connecting with filmmakers i don't know if we have time but i really do want to shout out the chicago film club which uh i'm a co-founder of um and that's just people kind of getting together and it's your, watching each other's films yeah it's your collective right yes yeah. that's one of the yeah ones that i've i've worked on the last couple of years um and so yes it's very uh it's like an email group which you could anybody listening wants to be a part of it hit me up and uh once a month we just go to a different filmmaker's apartment and watch each other's shorts their work in progress and get give feedback and i think this is another thing that which is what's going to be so great about middle coast too is that multi-genres so you know you're there's documentary filmmakers who are doing amazing things and they're giving me their point of view on you know comedies which is i think super helpful Mm -hmm. and um because they know the art the technical side of things and they want because it's such a cool vibe you know both at middle coast and in the chicago film club they like they are rooting for it to be you know the best it can be and and you to succeed um so yeah, at first when we were starting it, I, w- I was afraid that it was, you know, maybe s- some people are bad at giving notes and they're maybe a little too direct and they're not like understanding of what you meant. Constructive criticism is hard yeah. to deliver. So, but at these um, monthly uh, get togethers, it's it's exactly what I think the film scene needs and, um, you know, more of this. You know, there shouldn't just be, there should be multiple even film festivals. You know, I'm on mm-hmm. the board of Middle Coast Film Fest, but I love it. Uh, uh, multi-genre indie festivals and windy city film festival is another one that's pretty new um and because again you're you're mixing it up with all, all sorts of filmmakers and there's a lot of niche film festivals in chicago which is great you know i think that's fantastic but i feel like that could create a tone of competition you know what mm-hmm. i mean if it's only uh comedy or whatever it may be um and those should exist, you know, but I also think there should be many large multi-genre festivals uh, that are attainable to get into. You know, we're right by the Chicago International where they have their mm-hmm. AMC. I, th- I think, what, maybe five Chicago filmmakers get into that. So that's not <laughs> yeah. necessarily attainable. But um, I- I'm just so pumped for there to be more opportunities in Chicago for filmmakers, especially since I struggled so hard with no network. And now at these types of places are really how you, I feel, build a community. Yeah, and these things are certainly growing. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously you two got to meet yes. prior to yeah, Elias and I have been seeing <laughs> yeah. each other the last, uh, this is the third weekend in a row. I feel. Yeah. Like. yeah. yeah. It is. So we had, you two were both at women of the now at the women Woo. of the now anniversary showcase. Shout Bingo. out. Bingo. And then also the makeout party world mm-hmm. premiere. Yes, sir. Festival and uh celebratorium. That was nuts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was a great party. It was like a really cool carnival kind of atmosphere. And yeah, I actually heard about, uh, both of those. Well, I mean, I'd heard of them, but then I listened to your episodes with the, with those people and it was, is great to i think yeah this podcast really helps what i'm saying is to connect everybody from different walks of life you know like i wouldn't necessarily um i'm not in that kind of genre of of um 
uh, makeout party, but I I feel like so welcome to it because of like what you guys are doing, and then also just the way that they put themselves out there. Yeah, um, it's it's really awesome time to indulge in going to events in Chicago, and also specifically those two events are great because they they are showing work that's been made, um, and I feel like two years ago when I started networking, I felt like there were a lot of panels. There was like a little too many too sure. many things about right. talking about making films. And panels do help, but I think now there's there's people actually doing a lot more and opening their doors a lot more. Yeah, it's almost like an, it's it's an awakening in a lot of ways because I think the the film community has been here in whatever form for quite a while, but I think um, a lot more people are finding those connections and finding the, these new avenues and uh, you know methods of getting things out there, which is yeah. so satisfying. It's it's so satisfying to get to talk to a filmmaker and then literally next week we're seeing their stuff on yeah. a big screen and you know there's carnival games and there's there's comedy and all this <laughs> there's Laganita sponsoring the event yes. <laughs> <laughs> <Laganita>. <laughs> gotta get that Laganitas um, <laughs> what so, <laughs> is yeah. that is that a new slogan <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think I just broke the board there for a second. (laughs) Got to get that log in. Hey, guys, it's a Saturday afternoon. I got nothing else to do. Exactly. Let's go. Got to get that log in. Got to get that log in. Another thing that you do, on top of all this, on top of all this, you are also... Uh, involved in podcasting yes uh you were you were one of the main members and now a special correspondent for the cinema jaw podcast which i'm sure there are people who listen to us that definitely listen to cinema jaw very popular podcast that focuses on film criticism uh you were the engineer and third co-host for about five years yeah. and you step back a little bit to focus on the filmmaking aspect of your life uh tell us about being part of cinema jaw yeah it's a blast uh cinema jaw the greatest movies podcast ever <laughs> Oh, uh, that's our slogan. Well, well, uh, well, <laughs> well do we do movies well, sorry, guys. or films? <laughs> yeah, that's our, that's our difference. We're movie, a little bit more. We're films. We're a little bit above. <laughs> no, I would say movie criticism podcast. Let's right. say that because this is a movie making podcast. I think they're two different worlds. And plus, there's no competition. The, like in general, like those guys are so welcoming, and you guys should be. You should reach out to them. Absolutely. Well, well we're, we're enemies. Though. We, that's we love. <laughs> honestly, Good though, um, I went back and listened to a bunch of cinema, and I had listened to Cinema Jaw prior to even starting this podcast yeah right oh, cool. cinema jaw and uh it's really great to be listening to people that you can connect with i think cinema jaw you guys did a really good job of being just fun to listen to yeah in a world where film criticism can sometimes be and i don't mean to call out on you know certain people but on youtube there's some cinema you know some film critics yeah. and heavy right. air quotes that uh really are just super shallow and yeah. like not you know they or almost dry, yeah even. they're dry it it runs it's kind of either or you're either talking to people who spent a little bit too much time in film school <laughs> and they're breaking down every single thing which can be helpful but i feel like falls more into the realm of film essayists which i watch right. a lot of read a lot of and, and then there's people who are just like you know so overhyped about every little thing every movie is either a complete complete failure or like the single greatest contribution to cinema in the history right. of filmmaking and I, that's why i like cinema jaw i think you guys you know take a, a, a measured honest, approach yeah an honest measured approach to everything um yeah if if you uh listen to it listeners um 
So it's Matt Kay and Ride the Movie Guy, and they, you know, Ride the Movie Guy is more kind of, you know, the festival film, uh, and then Matt Kay is all about like the comic book films kind yeah. of thing. So, and they butt heads, and the, the way that they argue on the episodes leads to a lot of the comedy in a very fun way. And I will tell you, working with them for five years, that is exactly how they are. Yeah. Every single day, butting <laughs> heads. It's a blast. Um, uh, but yeah, I, um, I was with them for five years, the last five years of episodes up until j- the end of January, right before I was releasing Thing Twice, um, mm-hmm. because I just realized, you know, I'm just so uh, overloaded with, you know, my own work. And even though they're like my best friends, I uh, I think you come to a point when you're, you, I'm, I've been filmmaking for 10 years that you have to decide like what you're spending your time on. And right. you guys mentioned, you know, I, I do hustle all the time and, and to have like one day a week where I was meeting up with them, like I felt like I couldn't give it my all, you know, to sure. this kind of film criticism thing. And it's um, super difficult to do that. Um, especially cause they do, I mean, they even having to watch those yeah. movies to make sure that you see it on time and you can actually give yeah. a thoughtful opinion on it. That's just adding so many layers to being a filmmaker on top of that right. and your hustle. So yeah, and, and Chicago is a, a great city for film criticism too. You know, sure. I mean, uh, you know, we had, and I'll, I'll say this: the greatest film critic of all time, Roger Ebert. As yeah. far as I'm concerned, he exactly. was the greatest film critic to ever live in in a lot of ways. And um, so they, I mean, you guys do did a great job. Yeah. So this is so Cinema Joe is like very Chicagoan kind of take on that yeah. kind of uh, illustrious film history, film criticism history. Um, yeah, so, and it was crazy because when Think Twice kind of had success all of a sudden, uh, Cinema Job blew up one, one right. day. Um, so, uh, we, we had the hosts from Stuff You Should Know podcast. Uh, I don't know. Right. If yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yep. So we had them on, on different episodes and then randomly one day they mentioned us on their uh, episode because uh, they were talking about the witch because they were talking about yeah, sure. Salem witch trials and then they brought up the movie like, oh, have you talked about it? And then... Uh, I think Josh said no, but I on Cinema Jaw they did talk about it, and so then uh, there that morning where they released their episode, their listeners um, like were tweeting at us, and we're like, "What the hell is this? What's going on?" Yeah, and then they're like, <laughs> "Hey, what was that movie podcast you mentioned?" And then they tagged us in tweets and like, "It's Cinema Jaw." And that day, I swear to you, like it just blew up. It was it's been uh, it was nuts. Like overnight, we quadrupled our audience at the time. Wow, which was. Uh, Oh Such gosh. a spectacular thing. I mean, at that point, I think we'd been doing it for seven total years as a, as a podcast. So it's, you know, that's overnight success, right? You know, yeah. you, you work so hard. and That's the break. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, and so then, you know, it became like listeners around the world. And uh, I think it also, things lining up so perfectly. That day was the first when they released that episode was the first time they became number one on all of iTunes. Um, for the oh, first yeah. time ever, they're like, because they, I went on their Facebook page and there was a screenshot like, thanks fans for making us number one on all of iTunes. Yeah. And also we had released an episode. Uh, so I connected with a filmmaker and then he connected us with the cinematographer of Beetlejuice and a couple other films like Rat Race and stuff. And so we had him as a guest and we released that episode the same day. So it was like a huge perfect flood, storm yeah. of like, yeah, stay, you know, listen to the uh, Stuff You Should Know host episodes and then listen to the brand new one. And it was it was a magical thing to be a part of because, like, I was just doing it for free for all those years. And I would have kept continued if I had the time, you know, to do it weekly. Um, and 
it's it's just great that it kind of now is paid off and has wide exposure right yeah. well it's always good to, it's always good to hear a chicago success story yeah. especially yeah. in the film community and particularly when it takes such a measured like like you said tom a, like a measured approach to film criticism because yeah. like yeah and also like you said tom <laughs> film criticism it's like either glowing reviews or they just take the piss out of it yeah completely and it's the easiest and most fun thing and as kubrick put it uh least valuable way to write a movie review mm. indubitably. indubitably i feel like i should but, have a cor- like a pipe or something now i'm listening well, to you yeah. pontificate on well off screen yeah <laughs> yeah and have a goblet of lagunitas <laughs> well you know what they say you gotta that's a get back, that people. lagunitas that's a, that's a call. <laughs> um i wanted to ask when it comes to your own you know personal criticism as as anybody does when they watch a film they're whether they know it or not they're silently kind of criticizing certain things about it forming that opinion um is there a particular way that you like to critique film or a certain approach that you like to take when you want to critique something um i think with any genre i think for me it's story first as long as they're just focusing on the story because you could tell things that aren't serving the story and then Mm -hmm. they're you know, like, and I love big blockbuster movies as long as they're focused on, you know, yeah, the story first. And they're not just trying to have explosions and, and sure. whatnot. And um, I think that's my starting point, you know, because anything else, I'm just sitting there so critically. You know, I've sat in so many uh, short film festivals or whatever, and, and and you think like, oh, they're developing their talents and they don't have it all. Certain Certain filmmakers are like... It looks fantastic, but there's not really much there. You're not a lot of substance. It, yeah, wise, exactly. Yeah. And so then, when you see it on the big screen level, it's it's the same thing of, of you know, um, I, I'm sure it's also jealousy of like, oh, I wish I had a huge budget, right? Right. <laughs> I, I don't. I don't think that uh, you know it's wrong to feel that when yeah. I mean when you're working in that in a particular medium and you see someone being given literally more money than you could ever imagine to yeah. make something happen you know it's not wrong for that to enter your mind like oh imagine if i had you know you know few even like a three million dollar budget something real relatively small in the hollywood community like what right. could you do with three million dollars not to mention you know upwards cl- cl- getting close to billions of dollars yeah so i uh i appreciate that you're you know you're thinking about story and you're thinking about characters kind of the bread and butter of everything yeah you know it's not worth watching you know some movies have a little bit less some have a little bit more but if as long as they can stick to a little bit of that bread and butter i i totally agree with that i think that's what everybody should be looking for um and uh you know i think um i think it's lagunitas lagunitas time (laughs) (laughs) and you just gotta get it you just gotta get the lagunitas (laughs) all right Elias Rodriguez, he is writer, director, and editor. He's from Chicago. You can watch uh, Think Twice on YouTube right now. Yes. His channel, youtube.com slash Elias Rodriguez. Yep. And that's Elias with a Z. Yeah. At the end. Hard Z. Yes. Elias. And uh, where else can people find you? Facebook, Twitter? Yeah. Um, from, I mean, it's interesting because this is like we are in the Tribune Tower looking at the Magma, yeah. but I feel like I genuinely want to reach like to the love to the people down there. <laughs> Go for it. Um, so like, yeah, hit me up on, friend me on Facebook, you know. Um, let's talk. Uh, I'll get you on that list for the Chicago Film Club. Um, yeah. And submit to the Middle Coast Film Festival. I'll give you more details on that if you're curious. And uh, yeah, so E-L-I-A. Z Rodriguez.com and you'll find the links to find me on there. 
All right. And Elias, we're going to open up the window for you so that you, we can oh, yeah. shout Hello. out to those people. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you so much again, Elias. It's fantastic talking to you. Uh, Connor, less so. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. We do this too much. We spend every week together. I was going to, I was, when I was driving here, I was thinking how nice it might be to see you. It's just, you know, historic, just let down. Summarily disappointed. Yes. Overall. You have been listening to No Coast Cinema here on WGM Plus. We are your guide to cinema here in the city, city of, of Chicago. Chicago. I'm Tom Hush. And I'm Connor Cornelius. And we will see you next time. Okay.